0: From B Media Production, this is B Podcasting. Engage your audience with podcasts. Hi, and welcome to Episode 2 of Season 2. I'm Nick Schulberger. This season, we're taking an in-depth look at businesses successfully using podcasting. And today, we speak with the Head of Brand and Marketing at Jenea, which has been using podcasts to build awareness with great effect. But before that, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and podcast aficionado, Chris Ashmore. Hello, Nick.
1: Well, we were talking last episode about smart speakers after my purchase of uh, Google Home, which I'm beginning to fall in love with. Now, I understand you've bought a gizmo, not a smart speaker, but something that you're not entirely happy with. Is that right?
0: That is right. I have got my first Apple Watch, which I uh, am proudly wearing now. (laughs) <laughs> um, and it, it's, it's good. I'm enjoying the Apple Watch, but the bit that I'm not so happy with is how podcasts are played on an Apple Watch. Really? Because there's no Apple Podcast app for the Apple Watch, and that makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. When they've made this big song and dance about the latest version of the Apple Watch being independent to the phone, you can go out and do things without taking your phone, but you can't play a podcast.
1: So why did you buy the watch for?
0: Jogging. Jogging. Well, as you know, I listen to podcasts when I run, mm. so I thought I'd be able to do that without having to carry my phone, but I can't. Now it's not entirely true. I can, but I just can't do it easily. It's quite a cumbersome way to get a podcast from your phone onto the Apple Watch. There were some other podcast apps that have stepped up and created an app. For example, uh, Pocket Casts, who we've interviewed before, um, and I think your favourite app is... Overcast. Overcast. They had one as well. But they've actually both pulled the pin on the technology because every time Apple updated the software on the watch, it would break their app. So they've given up. And really, it's back in Apple's court now to just put the app on the the watch so you can stream a podcast directly to your watch and your wireless headphones. They've dropped the ball. I think they have. Perhaps I'm in the minority because I guess if you're walking, you you carry your phone with you and you listen to your podcast off your phone, maybe running in podcasts are not that popular. I don't know.
1: I I think they probably are. They've dropped the ball in that technology. But speaking of technology, Nick, have you ever listened to a podcast and they've mentioned, say, a website or referred to a photograph or some other thing in the middle of the episode? And you want to check out that thing there and then, but you can't unless you go to the show notes. Obviously, you can't do it while you're driving, but when you're stationary somewhere.
0: Yeah, I was telling you earlier that – I don't want to sound creepy, but I always Google the picture – of the person presenting the podcast because I like to have a visual of the person that I'm I'm listening to or even the person they're interviewing, particularly if it's a series. You know, you can invest a lot of time listening to this person. I like to visualise what they're looking like, but I do also go to show notes to occasionally look at some of the things they've mentioned, but mm. can't do that when I'm driving or when I'm running.
1: That's right. Well, it, when you're stationary, uh, you know, by the end of the episode, often you've forgotten what it is they've said or it's simply out of context. And the show notes sometimes they just don't do it justice if you want to follow it as you're listening. So if you do do it, you've got to click on a link and let that open a browser or app or whatever. So the show notes can be pretty clumsy. Well, there's a new technology. The Guardian Mobile Innovation Lab has come up with an awesome podcast player, which provides links and images in real time while you're listening. It has a window above the player itself that kind of looks like a Twitter feed. The only podcast they have available at the moment is called Strange Bird. Check it out, um, have a look, and see what I mean. That you can It adds extra information as you're listening to the podcast. It doesn't bombard you with stuff, but it allows you to see a graph or a table when they're talking about data and photographs of the people that they're talking about. So go to gdnmobilelab.com forward slash strange bird to see what I mean. We'll put these... Yes, I know what you're going to say.
0: I was going to say, we'll put the link in the show notes. Exactly. <laughs> so if you're listening to one of these podcasts, you can still ignore the imagery and still listen like a normal podcast, presumably. You can. That's yeah. right. That's right.
1: And it, it's not intrusive. So it's not like you're watching a video as you're listening. It just brings up certain bits and pieces. It's great.
0: Did you know that Apple actually did this back in the mid-2000s? No. They called it an enhanced podcast which allowed you to have visuals playing with a podcast and you could have links that were clickable links. So you could go off to, if a business was talking about a product or a website or somewhere to go for more information, you could click links.
1: But wasn't that a static thing that was always there on the home image of the podcast or did it change as you're listening to
0: it? It changed and it was a very, you had to have an IT degree to work out how to do it because you had to basically code the slides into the podcast.
1: Why have they stopped that?
0: I have absolutely no idea. (laughs) Our director of audio here, Peter Letts, used to do an enhanced podcast of our own podcast back in the mid-2000s. So perhaps we should talk to him about that another time. But we should really get to our case study for today's episode. Who have you spoken to? Well, last year, Nick, there was a lot of media attention given to Jenea
1: about their podcast, Modern Babies, a 10-episode series on the delicate and quite private subject of fertility treatment. Created by Nova Entertainment, we spoke with the producer of that podcast, Josh Butt, in episode 9, season 1 last year about the concept and how it was all put together. Janea was so happy with it and the positive feedback it received from patients and from within the industry that they commissioned a second series with a focus on personal stories this time behind conceiving. So to understand why, we hear from Nicole Paputsis, Head of Brand and Marketing at Genea. Here's the interview. Well, Nicole, to begin with, could you briefly explain to our listeners what Janea does?
2: Well, it's pretty simple. I like to think of the fact that we really just help people create families. Uh, That really is at the centre of everything that we do. But when you look at it more from a business perspective, of course, we're into IVF, all types of assisted conception, uh, genetic screening, and uh, also developing a lot of our own instruments and lab technologies, which is really exciting.
1: Well, obvious question then. Who is your market?
2: Uh, Look, I suppose it's pretty obvious that um, our primary market is women and uh, generally in the age group of around 28 to 40. I mean, guys are really important. They're obviously part of the process as well, but we do find that women really drive the conversation when it comes to fertility. So they're generally the ones that we're talking to in market.
1: Now, Janae is one of the bigger players in this space in Australia. Um, before we get into talking about podcasting, how do you get the message out about what you do? What, what marketing tools do you normally use to get your message heard?
2: Look, I suppose it's the usual suspects, you know, digital, social, radio. Uh, we do a bit of print, but but not a lot. We've done the odd out of home, but uh, a lot of our activity sort of happens in strategic partnerships as well. So we work with people like Business Chicks. They're very much a familiar brand for a lot of our target market and also a really trusted brand. So we work with people like that. And then we've also got partnerships with Netball New South Wales. Uh, Seems like an odd one, but when you think about it, it's sort of from grassroots to grandparents type of scenario where you've got a lot of influencers across that whole fertility journey that need to get that education and uh, provide all of the information that we can to empower them on those decisions. And finally, we have our referrers. So for anyone that needs to come in for IVF, they actually need to go to a GP, and that's to enable them to access Medicare rebate uh, that IVF provides for most people. So they're a really important group for us, and we have a team of salespeople that are actually out on the road meeting with them, setting up educational events and just generally providing all the information that they need to pass on to their patients and provide the best advice to their patients about what to do next.
1: So you really are using a whole range of tools to get the message out, both traditional media and online and word of mouth.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's um, right across the mix, really. So yeah, I suppose we've tried and tested a number of different types of marketing messages, different types of channels, and, you know, we do a lot of – get a lot of information back from the market to understand how that is uh, is being responded to and uh, how effective it is.
1: Well, if we look at podcasting now and um, the decision to make a podcast, how did that process come about? I mean, after all, it's a, quite a new medium to market a company, yeah?
2: It certainly is. <laughs> To be honest, podcasting has kind of been on our wish list for quite a while. Um, my team is sort of podcast fanatic <laughs> team. Um, so it's something that, you know, we've all engaged with for quite some time. You know, we're the early adopters, I suppose, if you like to say that. But um, look, our partnership with Nova, uh, who we produced the podcast with, We've done a number of different things with them over the time that we've worked with them and one of the opportunities they presented us with was collaborating with them on a podcast and as soon as we saw it, we're just, well, this is a no-brainer. We've been wanting to do this for a long time and podcasting really did feel like the right fit for our message. It's very much about education you know, that's a really big element of fertility. I mean, you'd be surprised about some of the things that people don't know about, you know, their own bodies. We're sort of taught all along how not to get pregnant, you know, through school and all of that. And then when it comes to trying to get pregnant, it's this big shock when it doesn't happen easily. So getting all of those messages out and, you know, people aren't alone if they're having issues And the other thing is about choosing an IVF clinic or a fertility provider. Uh, That's really important and a really important decision to make from the beginning uh, because it can impact on your chance of conception down the track. And timing's a big issue. So all of those things kind of wrapped up into making us feel that podcasting was a great way to get that message across and also being able to involve patients in that execution in the healthcare industry, we're really limited by using testimonials. So getting people to be able to tell their story in such an intimate way uh, that podcast allows you to do, it just felt right. So we really, really just wanted to give it a go and obviously pleased that we did.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's done extraordinarily well. It's had a lot of um, PR in itself being a podcast from a brand. But uh, in the beginning, what expectations did you have or was it something so new that you had... Little expectation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I suppose, as like I was saying, we're a team of people that listen to podcasting ourselves. So, you know, you hear different ranges of production value and all that type of stuff across the board. And being such different topics, it's hard to peg it against something and go, okay, ours can be like that or this is what we're expecting But to be honest, working with a production house such as Nova, and I've said this a number of times to a number of people, my expectations were high. You know, they do this for a living and having people like Josh involved and we really valued all of the people as part of that process and I trusted them immensely with all the decisions they were making. So, yeah, I suppose probably one of the biggest things was we had the expectation it was going to be a big job But really, once you get into it, you realise there's there's a lot to putting a podcast together, as I'm sure you're aware.
1: (laughs) Of course. (laughs) What kind of involvement? Obviously, you had clinicians and other staff at Janaea being figureheads and talking points within the podcast itself. But what other involvement did Jenea have with the making of the series?
2: Look, to be honest, uh, we were probably one of those clients that go, oh, my God, do they have to get involved in everything? Um, (laughs) But we were extremely hands-on. I really don't feel it could have been any other way. And the reason I say that is because, as I'm sure you can appreciate, fertility is a really highly emotive subject. And the experience that we have dealing with patients and understanding what they go through during that journey with us and before they get to us as well as after... We needed to bring that to the table and understand that we needed to be involved in engaging with the patients. And we also had a really great idea of what we wanted to cover, particularly in the first series. We knew the topics we wanted to touch on. We knew what worked, what people wanted to listen to, and uh, we knew the stories that would get that cut through in, in that area. So we did want to still push the boundaries, so allow a bit of creative licence on their part, and we did allow that. But some of the conservative nature of the industry we work in still had to play a part in us producing something that was going to be approved here, (laughs) uh, but also something that was going to be well listened to and, and just taken on board by the people that were listening to it. But basically, I mean, we spent a lot of time managing interviews, pre-briefing the patients that were going to be involved or the talent that we were using from an internal perspective and just sort of managing stakeholder expectations. I think that was just important for us to keep a hold of that.
1: And how has the series been received? Do you think, has it been well applauded by your audience?
2: Have you listened yourself? (laughs) I,
1: I have. Not because I have to, but yes, I have listened to it, yeah.
2: See, guys, do you listen to this stuff <laughs> about fertility? Look, I mean, it's amazing. Uh, to be honest, I don't think as much as, you know, I had the high expectations, I don't think I could ever have expected it to be received as well as it has been and, of course, been recognised uh, as much as it has. So we're obviously very proud of that. For us, so, so I suppose it's about making sure that that average listen-through rate is up there not necessarily about the listens. And I know I'm sure from a podcasting perspective, you know, it's really hard just to sort of say where the benchmarks sit on listens, what's good, what's not. We have to remember that we're sort of in a very niche market, but overall very, very happy. And, you know, we're continuing to see those listens increase and unique listens, uh, people coming back and sort of listening to the beginning of the, the series as we start talking about some that are further down the line. So that's really encouraging.
1: Is it possible to get a clear return on investment with podcasting? I mean, for you, has there been a measurable increase in clients using your services as a result of the podcast?
2: Definitely. When it comes to podcasting, of course, you know, building it and just expecting people to find it, you know, because there's so many out there, just doesn't always cut it. So for us, it was very much about an integrated marketing effort around the podcast. There was a lot of radio support, social, digital, that really pushed people to the podcast. So I think from my perspective, that was a combination of brand awareness. It gave us the opportunity to be out there talking about something new, engaging with a new audience that potentially have never heard of Janaea. We've seen a significant uplift in inquiry activity and because of the, we've actually got a lag time as you can imagine, (laughs) with people starting treatment and then sort of going through the process. So ours isn't a sort of a click-to-buy scenario. So that's why focusing on the inquiry rate is really the the bit that we can provide right now because that's what we've seen as an immediate response to that. We're probably waiting six to ten months before we see an outcome on the bottom line business-wise.
1: So it's fair to say that you have seen an increase in clients that you would probably attribute to the podcast series
2: yes in conjunction with all of our other activity that's been going on but we had a very concerted effort in promoting the podcast and it being in market for a considerable amount of time last year so i have no doubt that that has played a part in the increase in inquiry rate for sure
1: Well, you could have done a video series or a whole range of other different ways of getting the message out there and telling the story. What would you say is attractive about podcasting as a means of uh, telling that message?
2: I think video is great. And we've used video on a number of occasions and continue to do so. It's not something that we've totally abandoned and, you know, jumped across to the dark side of podcasting. But when we think about how people consume information around fertility... It is an intimate discussion. It's something that they're wanting to do often in private. And people are really time poor. So, you know, if you're sitting on a bus watching a video, it's very obvious what you're looking at or um, getting information on. So podcasting allows people to do that in their car, for instance, or on a bus or in public transport or even in the office at the gym. It just feels so much more versatile. And that's why we were drawn to it as well, because, you know, it all comes down to what your objectives are, who your audience is. And we know that's how they want to uh, consume this type of information.
1: Well, now that you're a bit of a podcast expert yourself, what would you say to other companies that are looking to get involved with podcasting?
2: I think companies need to know what their objectives are. I think that's that's really key. That's the key with any type of marketing activity or anything, really. Does podcasting actually fit into that and, you know, figuring out who they're talking to, how they're going to absorb the type of information they want to put out there? Is it too salesy or is it, you know, more of that sort of content marketing, which is what it should be uh, for a branded podcast? I think the other thing for us is we had absolutely no experience in podcasting or producing really high-quality content, particularly audio content, internally. So you have to be working with someone that actually provides that. I think that is key. People have high expectations, I think, now of the quality of podcasts. So it's really, really crucial to the outcome of the project and um, and how that all comes together.
1: So you would highly recommend it.
2: I would. And that's only coming from the fact that it's worked for us. It's been great for us and it's been great for our brand. But yeah, I I think it's worthwhile just doing it, you know, giving it a go, but uh, also making sure internally that you've got buy-in to using the digital medium that isn't always about the black and white metrics. You know, it is one of those sort of content marketing pieces that is more about brand awareness and sort of that long tail opportunity that you get from that type of material.
1: Well, what a great way to end. Nicole Papoutsis, thank you very much.
2: No worries. Thanks for having me.
1: That's Nicole Papoutsis, Brand and Marketing Manager at Jenea.
0: I think it's hard to ignore the standout part of that conversation, Chris, being around return on investment. You asked a couple of times for her take on what the return has been for Jenea. And it's a question that we often get asked by businesses we're talking to. How do you tangibly measure the return on investment in a podcast? And it's a tricky area, but I think... She answered it really well when she was talking about the intangible return on investment they've received. The big ones for them being brand awareness and also reaching a new audience, which is really a big benefit of a podcast, being able to get out to an audience that you may not already be reaching.
1: Well, it's such a difficult one, return on investment, not just in podcasts, but any form of advertising or marketing. I mean, it's a, you've got to know what you're getting into when you do marketing, but it's... I like what she says, that it's their whole game. It's not just podcasting on its own. It ties in with everything else. And it's not an overnight return. It takes a long time to see the benefits of it. And it's great that they're doing a second season because it just shows their commitment to podcasting and that over the long haul, it works for them.
0: I think her words were, it's not always about black and white metrics. Mm having said that, she did say that they have seen an increase in inquiry. So to me, that's a fairly tangible outcome. It's a long sales cycle for their business. But if they've gone into season two, they're obviously confident that it's generating that inquiry, which is what they want to do. And the podcast has helped do that. Mm -hmm. Another thing she mentioned was that you can't just build a podcast and expect them to come. And this is something else we've mentioned in the past, that the marketing of the content is as equally important as the creation. So they spent a lot of time in making sure their podcast got out to that audience as well. Because just putting it out there on Apple Podcasts is not going to suddenly create an overnight audience. It is that long tail and and constantly pushing it out there like you would with any other content that you um, create for your marketing. And she closed, I think, with another important point just to finish on, about the buy in by Junea being really important in creating a successful podcast. And I think the buy in by business is really important and Janaya, I mean, they were lucky they had a team of people that were really excited about podcasting, so they wanted to get involved. But I would say to a business that wants to get involved in podcasting that just outsourcing the whole thing and saying, you do it, you look after it, is not going to get you a good result. You want to, like any marketing, you know your brand and your business better than anyone, and that the whole idea of a podcast is for that trust and that longer-form conversation to take place with your audience. So you need to have input into that for it to be authentic But then bringing experts in the areas of producing a podcast professionally, which is what they've done. And I think the result speaks for itself. It's a great podcast. Mm -hmm.
1: Just to um, reiterate the fact that it's a utility-based content and for listeners who have listened to Be Podcasting, uh, since the beginning of last year, probably understand what that means. But for those who don't, Josh Butt, the producer, said it well in episode nine last year. It's like a Bunnings video when you want to hang a door on you know in your house. You won't watch that video unless you want to hang a door on, in your house. And when you do want to hang a door, you definitely want to check out that video. It's the same with this. I mean, if you don't have fertility problems or if you don't need to conceive, right, <laughs> you, you know, this is probably not something that you're going to listen to. But for those who want information, it's all there. And this is a fantastic way
0: of getting that kind of information. And on the back of creating utility-based content, it also means that it's evergreen content. It's going to last for a long time. They've built two series now that are valuable assets that will be still relevant for months and, and years.
1: And I would say, you know versus a video, where fashions change, um, hairstyles change, your voice doesn't often uh, go through much changes over many years, so it can stay there for quite a while. More timeless. There you go.
0: Well, that's it for this episode of Bee Podcasting. For more about us and how we can help you use audio to build and engage your audience, go to be.com.au. From all of us at B Media Production... Thanks so much for listening. B Podcasting is produced
1: by the team at B Media Production. Managing Director Nick Schildberger, Executive Producer Heather Dawson, Producer Chris Ashmore, and I'm Peter Letts, Director of Audio. For more about us, go to be.com.au.